Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transportation. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hey, I'm Jelly D, and I'm here with our host, Katie. Katie, how you doing? Um, Jelly D, for for audiences at home, they don't know that your full-time job is as an intern. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll uh, take a page from the CIA agent that came. I'd like to be the intern of intelligence. You can be possible. the intern of intelligence. Oh, thanks. Um, and people should listen to that episode, especially because our guest on this episode, Lila Robbins, plays a member of the CIA on Homeland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's also co-starring in Murder in the First on TNT, which is obviously a comedy. Mm-hmm. And I first came aware of her, really. She's a Lucille Lortel and Drama League Award-winning actress. I saw her on Frozen at Circle in the Square. Mm. It's a crazy play about a woman forgiving someone who murdered her son. I mean, I just... Better or worse than Disney's Frozen. It is <laughs> really good, although it would be um, surreal to see a lot of young girls and boys singing from this particular Frozen. Not just because it wasn't written as a musical, but because it's about murder. Um, and audiences, you guys may recognize her from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but I found what was particularly fascinating is she started at the same time as Meryl Streep, and she's always worked. I'm obsessed with um, actors who are always working but aren't famous 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 because to me that seems kind of ideal yeah well yeah if you can you if you can leave your house and especially now it sounds like if if you get to choose your own projects then you can really do only murder related projects for a while and seems like she's gravitated towards that yeah i'm sure that's what she was hoping for (laughs) (laughs) um without further ado here's my interview with lila robbins which was taped live at joe's pub It's almost, it's very close to your name. <laughs> you used to sing that to me in high school. Thanks. Oh. A <laughs> couple of years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what, if anything, did your parents sort of surviving, you know, labor camps and coming here from, from Latvia? I know that. Um, I was just curious, like, even your, your father won a, a Medal of Honor for his contribution um, to Latvian culture, and I was so touched by that I was curious like what what have you brought from that and I I bet it's probably from them really oh my goodness we're getting heavy we're getting fast (laughs) (laughs) um uh, my, my parents actually were not in labor camps. They, okay. were, in, they were in a, a displaced persons Just, camp in Germany. Uh, they escaped Latvia um, during the war. And then they spent five years in a refugee camp in Germany. And uh, then they came to this country and they, they picked broccoli for $5 a day in Seattle, Washington. And, and then, so they were migrant workers. And then my father got an opportunity to... Uh, go to the University of Washington, and he became a doctor in chemistry. And then our whole family moved to Minnesota, where he proceeded to um, 
invent about 48 things for 3M. He was in the who's who in, for, in America for, I have to oh, read this down. Look at you with for the research. For phenolic resin chemistry, and it's, it's where all the world's iron uses the technology he created. I was so impressed. Yeah, he created this, uh, I think about 90% of metal casting in America is um, based on my dad's, um, he, he kind of specialized in catalysts, and he created these um, dog bones made of, of sand that were held together by glue, that if you poured molten lead over it, it would be strong enough to sustain that, and then when it set, then you'd hit the pipe and the sand would disintegrate. So it had to be incredibly strong and, and heat-proof, and then incredibly fragile at the same time. And uh, I think 90% of metal casting is based on that, that, wow. that thing that, that he invented. <laughs> it's nice of you to mention yeah. my father today. Well, I w the follow-up yeah. question was, so here your parents worked so hard to get here and, and um, make their way in education and uh, science. How did they feel about you deciding to uh, run off and become an actor? <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, my mom really loved that idea. Um, my mom uh, would love to go to the Guthrie Theater. So I'm from St. Paul. I don't know who that was that said something about Minneapolis. We're saying it now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, my mother loved going to the Guthrie Theater. And um, so I guess as a kid, I kind of learned to um, want to make her happy. And so that's what I did. And she really encouraged it. I've got three sisters. So all of us kind of dabbled in theater um, throughout our lives. In fact, seeing the palate cleanser, yeah. Brahm, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah. He looks kind of like a Dalmatian mm. bunny, right? Yeah, I don't think they mixed. Yeah, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's 100 percent bunny. I don't. Well, he's not a purebred bunny, but <laughs> a little shorter. <laughs> it just brought back a lot of memories because the reason I wanted to become an actress was because of Dalmatians. Yes. Oh wow. 101 Dalmatians. Yes. Wow. I saw Cruella de Vil, and I was like, I must play that role. Well, okay, that's a good segue, because you did once replace Glenn Close in I the did. real thing. Yeah. What is it like taking over a role versus like being the first person to create it? Well, or when set you, the tone? Well, when you, when you take over a role, sometimes it's sort of baptism by fire, so... You're kind of thrown into somebody's costumes, thrown into their blocking, thrown into their motivations, and you kind of get, maybe you get two weeks rehearsal, and with that's, with the real thing, it was like this revolving set, and so I, I, I just, people would dress me and shove me through the next door. I didn't even know where I was half the time. And, um, but the thing is about a month later, you're kind of like, why? Why do I do it that way? Like, you haven't kind of done all the homework, all the stuff that makes you do stuff. You're kind of fulfilling the shape of it, but you don't really know why you're doing it yet. So it's, it's hard to replace. Now you've, outside of like one teaching gig at HB Studios, you've been working ever since you graduated from Yale. And I was just curious if um, there's ever something you would say, no, I won't do that. Or specifically, do you feel relieved now that you turned down Showgirls? <laughs> <laughs> you mean, what am I glad that I passed on? Yeah. No, I only have regrets. Is that true? Yeah. So you wish you much. were in Showgirls? <laughs> oh, oh! I did say no to showgirls. Yes, You're you absolutely did. right. Yeah. No, I didn't want to be in showgirls. <laughs> that wasn't going to work out for me. Um, but there are a lot of things that I said no to when I was younger that I feel like I should have said yes to. I think I was a little too uh, discriminating at first. You know, I wanted it to sort of be a certain way, and I should have just kind of gone with the flow a little bit more. 
Um, well, like White Diamonds, you were, you were um, not on camera for that commercial, but you didn't you? No, I would say, um, you know, it was It's that Elizabeth Taylor's Elizabeth perfume, perfume, obviously. Burt Reynolds. Were, I think Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, Reynolds was, was in it, yeah. yeah. And I was at the end, I would go, White Diamonds by Elizabeth Taylor. That's great. Do that so, one more time. I think it's really good. White Diamonds by Elizabeth Taylor. I think I want to go out and buy. But I also did, but I also did degree for a higher degree of protection. <laughs> <laughs> and I would do Pantene Pro-V for hair so healthy it shines. Yes. Do you, you know up, everything about me? Do you, what end up use, do you end up using I'm getting Pantene? paranoid like the CIA. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, do you end up using any of those products? Do you get them for free or anything oh, like that? Oh, no, I don't no. get anything for that. Okay. No, they don't give you products, no. But the voiceover is good money. Ah, uh, yes. It subsidized what I call my... Jewelry? Theatrical habit. Oh. <laughs> your, the- your theater habit. You spoke, you spoke in an interview about having a sort of a spiritual enlightenment at age 30, 33 that sort of transform you, and I was curious what set that off. I said that? You did in an interview. You did. <laughs> you... I haven't done an interview since 1984 with well, Jean Hatch. It, it, it may have been that interview. Oh, I love oh, it. I miss his mustache. I should have worn one. Do you miss the Yeah, and the fro. You know who I'm talking about, yes. right? You're not too young to, yeah, to know. Yeah, no, okay, unfortunately, okay, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, what was the... Oh, oh, spiritual enlightenment. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Maybe, maybe you use that language at 33 and don't use it anymore. Um, it's all right. No, I was just curious. There's, there's, this, there's this sort of theory. It's also like a Saturn return, I guess, uh, in the astrological thing. But there's also sort of a, a, a Christian idea or whatever that when you're 33, it's like when Jesus died. Oh. And, and so a lot of people kind of go through a private Gethsemane where... Um, they're kind of moving along in a certain way and then they get to a certain point in their lives where they want to change but kind of people expect certain things from them or their family expects certain things or all their friends expect something but they want to be something else and they kind of break through that and sometimes they have to withstand sort of hatred and misunderstanding from people they love so it's sort of a kind of a personal crucifixion where you open up your heart and you sort of become who you are. Whereas for Jews, it's like a continuous thing of just feeling like regretting everything, (laughs) pissing people off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you guys have it specifically at 33. It has a beginning. Oh, no, 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 no. We we guys? We guys? No, no, no. There's no we guys about this. No, 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 no. It's probably one of my self-help books, you know, that I just sort of went, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, it has, no, no, it's not. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut these over. Leading moment in my life. <laughs> at, at that point. I wanted to ask about being um, naked on stage. What was that, that like? Naked on stage? Oh, well, yes. There was one play. Not this experience um, right now, but... Uh, yeah. but uh, you know, but the funniest thing about that <laughs> moment was in a, it was in a play uh, at the Manhattan Theater Club, and there was a, a bed that rolled out, and I'm in the bed, and I'm supposed to just kind of languorously get up and my robe is right there and I kind of put it on. Well, in this particular performance, um, the robe got stuck under the bed as it went on stage. And so suddenly there was like no robe. (laughs) And the guy's robe was on the the chair about, um, I don't know, 10 feet away. And so I kind of went, I went, there's no robe. And I saw his, his robe. And I thought that if I walked like this, nobody would see me. <laughs> Put on the robe. <laughs> but they did, actually. 
Was it free? That wasn't my favorite moment, no. No. <laughs> um, I did also want to ask you, have you ever been cut from anything? Yes. Oh, God. I did, um, I did a pilot with Glenn Fry of the Eagles. You guys know Glenn Fry? It was, it was called South of Sunset, and I believe it was the fastest canceled pilot ever. And um, I had gathered all my friends to watch the, the pilot, and we had dinner, and I was like, okay, we're going to sit down and watch a show. We turned it on, and a man came on and started saying my lines. And so they had recast the role with a man, but they hadn't told me. And I was there with all my friends. And it was just like really embarrassing. I, I, the things I've been cut from are such an impressive resume that I'm actually thinking of just having that as my resume. <laughs> as you're like, real? Here are the as things that... Yes. These are the things I'm not in, kind of real. And they're great. I mean, they're great. And they don't include they're me. They're fantastic, aren't they? And you look so good. <laughs> you look blonde. And you're not thin. there at all. Yes, and male. Um, I also... You're, you're in a new show in addition to... Do, well, actually, sorry. On Homeland, how much research do you do... Oh, I asked Alex Ganza, the, the creator of it, whether, you know, was something I should read, and he, he gave me a book called um, No Exit from Pakistan. It was pretty heavy going, but I, I got through it. Um, and I think there was kind of a, a certain amount of understanding I needed to have, but I, I didn't have to become, you know, an ambassador. To play, you know, I just play one on TV. I mean, it's, not, it's like if you're playing a doctor, you don't have to actually be a doctor. So. You don't need to pull the wool over our eyes. We thought, we thought right. you really were a CIA yeah, agent. Yeah, and basi basically, you know, you thought I was CIA? Oh, no. My husband's CIA, right? Mark yeah. Moses. Yes. That slime ball. But you, you really got, uh, well, he's a, he is a dick. Well, kind of on yeah. the show, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. So in real life, are you able to, like, remember that this person is not their character? Oh, yeah. You mean when I'm working with people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I say that because, like, sometimes I'll see someone and I'll, like, think they're their character even though they're not their character. Oh. Like, I'll project it onto them. Yes, I think, you know, actually, I did a Law & Order where I was a con woman and I may have slept with my own son or something like that. Jesus. <laughs> and I remember when they offered me the script, I was like, yeah, yeah. They were, oh, oh, I don't know. Can I do this? But I decided I would do it, you know, the challenge of seeing if I could pull it off or whatever. And sometimes people look at me funny on the subway. <laughs> and I kind of go, oh, oh, they think I'm that lady who slept with her son. <laughs> um, let's show a clip from your new show on, on TNT yeah. with... Um, Tay Diggs, who's, who's off yeah. to go do Hedwig, but um, mm, yeah, let's, yeah. let's see a, a oh. clip of this. Oh, goodness do you want to give some preface of what's Ooh. going on in the clip as they take 100 hours no to set it up? I have no idea what clip you have. It'll, it'll only take a couple days. I'm so. not psychic. <laughs> I don't know what clip oh, you yeah, have. Oh, yeah, because TNT just sent it to me. Oh, I have no idea what Do you want to tell them about your character? Oh, well, oh. You, you can start setting up. That way we're done by next season. Oh. <laughs> just kidding, Jason. Yeah, give them a head start. I mean, I'm not kidding. set it up. Um, I play, uh, ugh, it's really rough. Uh, I'm playing a defense attorney uh, to a kid who does a mass murder. Yeah. Uh, much like what we're um, dealing with in Charleston. And uh, it's interesting that this TV show now has a much deeper resonance because of that. Do you feel a responsibility when, when things like that happen in terms of the character, or how do you deal with that responsibility? Of, uh, well, of treading on reality. 
Well, this has happened since we've shot the show. Um, but in although general, it does happen. It does yeah. happen. But I guess in the end, um, oh, but I can't give away too much. So um, you'll find. Uh, I was just on this last week, and then I'm in the next ten episodes. Yeah. But uh, something kind of happens where. No, no, go back, Jason. Go back. We'll yeah. never get it um, again. <laughs> just like start it now. <laughs> oh no. Where I don't know. I had go? to get inside the head of a defense attorney. And sometimes um, it's not a matter of uh, guilty or innocent. It's, it's kind of ends up being, uh, it can end up being sort of as a, a discussion about the death penalty mm-hmm. and whether one believes in the death penalty at all. Or not. Or, um, if it worked. Yeah. But it doesn't. Okay. Oh, there we go. Now we get to watch. This is so exciting. Thank you, Jason. You guys give him our little hand. Are you familiar with Lonnie Athens? Yes, I hated criminology. Process of violentization? Right. Okay, yes. Uh, The theory is that a series of violent experiences over a lifetime lead to a crisis of identity, where the individual has lost all hope of a lasting, meaningful role in society, which then leads to the killing of others or themselves. Traumatic physical abuse as a child being the first violent experience. Which you suspect may have happened to Dustin. Every client I've had that wasn't mentally ill fit Athens' profile. That's why I don't trust Dustin's parents when they say there was no abuse. Well, maybe he is mentally ill. It'll certainly make our jobs a lot easier. Well, then you have your work cut out for you, because uh, I don't see anything severe enough to exempt him from standing trial. Or facing the death penalty. He's lucid. He engages. And I believe he understood the difference between right and wrong when he opened fire on that bus. He just felt like he didn't have a choice. No, no, no. You and I are not getting in another argument about the concept of free will. If only that decision were actually up to you. Ah, but it is. Looks like a great show and a very timely subject. It makes me excited that that, um, that mainstream America, including myself, gets to see something like that where it's a really important discussion right now. I think that in America, when there's a shooting, it seems that every single time the narrative is, is that the, the person who did it has a mental illness, which I'm sure they do, and it is not okay that they have a mental illness, but I also think that the way that we treat other trials, we don't necessarily just go to that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, absolutely. So I was grateful yeah. that you were ha- ha- giving this role such a nuanced... Um, Performance and also opening up that discussion. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting discussion. Uh, if, if you watch the show over the next uh, ten weeks, it's 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 quite a cliffhanger, and it's interesting to see the, the the arguments that go back and forth about it. And it's great to work. I mean, I don't have that much with Tay Diggs and Kathleen Robertson because they're kind of in the cop part of the show. Yeah. But uh, uh, on the other side, Adam uh, Adam Kolbersch and and the doctor. Uh, do you guys know uh, this wonderful actor Robert Prosky? He, he's from. He worked in D.C. a lot. That's his son. The man who plays the doctor there is a Prosky's son, who I remember as being a fabulous actor. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that this feeds your um, theater habit. And I was just going to say, how you, how do you deal with all the fame? Because I found some really funny thing online. Um, you know, I I uh, <laughs> I haven't. I mean, this year has been kind of special for me. Um, with Homeland and then and then this show coming up, um, I have kind of felt a little bit of a bump on people uh, maybe recognizing me more, but it's kind of a, a comfortable um, place where, uh, as I said, I'll be on the subway and someone will come up and say, oh, you're an actress, but they won't know my name. 
or they yeah. really won't know who I am or whatever, but they'll kind of, oh, I, I know your face. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice level of fame yeah. that I'm enjoying right now. I wanted to, um, I gave you some fancy cream. Something that fancy? Says, it says it's fit for a queen, this <gasps> royal jolly body butter, because I consider you a queen of theater. I think you're phenomenal. And a oh. pen, so you can always write on your, oh. your notes. Um, it's supposed to last seven years when you you can rewrite the script however you want. I hope you continue oh. to do theater and television and film, and Thank I'm just you. so happy to have you here. Thanks Lila so Robbins. much. Thank you so much. So what did you think? Oh, it's really my favorite podcast since the last one. I thought it was a fascinating episode. I want to thank all of you for listening. I really want to thank Jelly D and Ian Mazoff for enabling this podcast to happen. And I am going to do a shout out to all of you to please give if you can. There are several ways to give. You can donate money. You can also write nice things about us on iTunes and on SoundCloud or however it is you listen to this podcast because those things help. Because in order for us to continue this labor of love, we're going to need a little more support. But I do also want to just say thank you to all of you who have been giving it's been fantastic to have you along for the ride. And we have a whole new season coming up. Mm-hmm. Joe's Pop, we're going to be there monthly. So check out employeeofthemonthshow.com to find out more. And I think that's it. I think everyone else should just enjoy their day. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here, guys. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.